Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the e-growcommerce show. Uh, today we have our first uh, guest. This is Mr. Uh, Lazar uh, Jamic. Uh, he is ex Googler, Zunay's head of brand planning and digital marketing lecturer. Uh, so, welcome. And uh, the host will be Mr. David Cheslonik, uh, the acting CEO from Tsenaya.si. So, gentlemen, please welcome. Well, thank you very much, first of all. Thank you very much for having me. And while we were talking about what to talk about today, uh, it struck me that maybe one particular angle of um, what to do online, what to do with uh, not just e-commerce, but particularly e-commerce uh, is, um, in my experience at least, uh, after four and a half years of actually now being back in our, in our part of Europe, our part of the world, after Britain and working with large uh, international clients, I think uh, that particular bit is a little bit abandoned and neglected and I want to kind of just quickly quickly shed some light on how big brands, successful brands and not just big brands, clever brands are automating their creativity uh, in the process of e-commerce and in the process of maximizing value throughout their customer journey. Very, very quickly, just to start, uh, we today with Corona, we actually have a problem of accelerated inevitability, which means many of the trends that we've seen in the developed world now have accelerated in pace. And even the countries that maybe are not so advanced or uh, have not been so advanced in e-commerce are now actually uh, going into it, whether they like it or not. So uh, uh, many of the, those trends uh, did exist already, have been applied in developed uh, markets, uh, and now actually they are rolling out globally. So we today live in a skippable world of choice. It's never been easier to ignore brand messages. And the old principles of just relying on advertising simply do not work as well as they used to. So in the Corona world, we actually have to find a really good answer to this, one of the, the biggest and the most important questions in modern marketing and the modern business, which was actually uh, posited in 1986 by Tony Stead, who in, uh, named the discipline of account planning or uh, strategic planning in communications in London uh, in 1970s. And in one interview with one of my friends at the time, he actually said the main question of every, every communication piece or marketing overall is why the would they and they means consumers customers and clients why would they pay attention to what we say why would they think feel or do what we are asking them to do and if you don't have a really really good answer to this particular particular question everything is kind of pointless so i had this sentence literally blown up as a poster and always kept it kind of opposite my desk and my team's desk so that we can always be reminded of the main question in the modern business and what is actually interesting uh, with the digital world and particularly with the corona world is that we actually see a shift from brand as a comet to brand as a fireworks because we used to treat brands uh, the head of the comet was the most important and that was where advertising was sitting and the rest of the customer journey was a little bit abandoned and now in the digital space and particularly with kind of corona pressures we have to squeeze every single drop of value from every touch point that any brand has with all the uh, uh, customers and clients and I would say even all of the stakeholders that they've got. So top of the funnel 
is important, but actually uh, middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel is becoming even more important. And that means that we have to be clever how we uh, maximize the value in those parts of the customer journey. So three things I would quickly like to run through. Customer journey, what it is, just for somebody, just in case somebody may, may have, uh, does not have experience in that space. Uh, why is defining uh, the value exchange, the VE, for each touch points in the customer journey is a critical thing. And what are moments that matter that are actually powering those value exchanges? So three specific concepts. Now the CJ, the customer journey is uh, one of the biggest missed branding and sales opportunity if you ask me. Because people usually think of managing the customer journey just being about sales, but actually because we've got so many touch points during the customer life cycle that we can actually brand as well through our own channels very, very cost-effectively, uh, but we forget that bit. So when I say customer journey, I don't mean just the sales funnel. I mean everything that happens, big parts that happen before the sales and after sales as well, because buying one insurance product is just the sale of one product. But the moment that I get into your database as that particular customer on one product, I, be I become a prospect or a lead for all the other insurance products that a company sells. And why would you not talk to me through your own channels directly and in the context, and instead of relying on me actually seeing your advertising on TV or whatever. So when I say customer journey, I mean everything, how to generate awareness, but also uh, how the awareness then turns into research, and we have to be ready for that. How research turns into conversion. So conversion rate optimization becomes a really important game. Uh, once they've converted into customers or clients, how to do a great welcome program, because we know that the welcome programs impact on renewals and impact on cross-sell and upsell as well. And then how to do upsell, how to do cross-sell, and then uh, when the, come, uh, the point of renewal comes for many of the products that actually have cyclical nature, how to be ready for that. And not even that, but actually if the customer has gone out of our gravitational field one year, for example, I've changed my car insurance provider, the data is still in my, in my system. And I can actually, I should be able, if I do all the, all the bits properly, I should be able to talk to that customer next year when the renewal window comes again, because I know when they're going to be needing new car insurance uh, again. So the customer journey means that whole bit. And it's not new, it's a very old concept. And even McKinsey about 10, 12 years ago have reiterated uh, the concept through that big uh, global research and actually show that, oh, no, it's not linear, it's cyclical, it's circular. Yes, we knew that kind of, but there were some kind of good, uh, uh, good observations in their research, basically that said, uh, yes, the initial consideration set is important at the beginning of actually thinking about which brand to buy. But then uh, during the active evaluation phase, and that's the research and the conversion uh, phase, um, brands could be knocked out of that list and all uh, jump onto their list if they're really optimized for those parts of the customer journey. And then what happens afterwards, after the purchase, impacts on whether I'm going to be purchasing with you again or not. So uh, warming up the passive part of the customer base, which is in McKinsey's research, there's six times more passive customers than active customers in any particular way. We need to keep, them, uh, keep our brand front of mind uh, for those customers as well, using our own channels, which are usually very, very cost-effective, particularly if we automate that communication. So what to do, when I say customer journey, what do I mean? How to map it out? Well, the first thing is that all the key stakeholders in the company 
need to actually look at the key products or the key services. Let's say there's a bank, and then we map out the customer journey for a current account, for a saving account, for a credit card, or some of those, uh, the key products that they've got. All the key stakeholders, anybody who is touching upon any of the touch points with the customers has to be in the room. And we define what are the key steps in the process of uh, researching, converting, using the product, renewing the product and everything else. And then for each of the touch points, what are, uh, for each of the steps, what are the key touch points? So let's say I'm researching your product uh, bank, uh, bank account. I can go to your website. I can call, uh, could, could be an inbound phone call. I can go to the branch um, and, and probably a few other, few other options. Each of those is a, uh, is a touch point. And those touch points have to be optimized, which means that all the friction that could appear in different touch points that is going to slow down the journey or stop the journey and the customer is going to drop off, those uh, touch points have to be optimized and that points of friction have to be removed. And those points of friction we call pain points. We need to identify where we are losing value in the customer journey. And then when we do, uh, uh, through the analytics, uh, research, uh, call center analytics and all the analytics, all the data that we've got in the system, when we actually see where we lose uh, value, uh, revenue and profitability, then basically we can say, and what to do about it, which particular remedial actions we do we need to take and by whom. And basically, lo and behold, it's usually that in order to plug those uh, leaky, uh, those holes in the leaky bucket, uh, several teams at least have to work together in order to plug it. And that's your, the beginning of the digital transformation and the more agile ways of working. So customer journey mapping is an absolutely important concept. Now, when we define touch points, when we define the pain points, usually we realize that at each of those critical points, we need to have some value that we offer to the uh, prospects or to the customers. And when I say value, I don't mean just financial value. I do not mean just monetary value. It could be different kinds of value that are contextual, giving them something that they need at that particular point. And that could also, be, uh, could also mean help and service if this is what they are getting in touch with us about. So we need to define the value exchange. And that value exchange is a collection of different moments that matter in the lives of our customers. So uh, when we ask them for data and uh, would like them to register, for example, for a program, when we uh, would like to convert them and say, uh, you should thinking about buying this particular product because of this, 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 and that, all of these things should be points of the value exchange. Uh, if I'm giving you my time, if I'm giving you my attention, if I'm giving you my data, and finally, if I'm giving you my money, what do I get in return? And that's value exchange, and that has to be carefully designed. And that could be different things. It could be something free or discounted. There's the value value exchange or the monetary value exchange. But also, it could be something exclusive, something that money can't buy. So the exclusive access to different people, different services, different content, different applications, and many other exclusive things that money cannot buy. Because you're offering me something personally relevant. If I'm a young mother expecting a child and you offer me a personalized program uh, before and after my, uh, my, my pregnancy and the whole period for the first three years of actually child or the baby growing up, it's incredibly personally relevant and I as a marketer can market literally for at least five years week by week because I know all the milestones in the child development. 
also because you're giving me something interesting or entertaining. A lot of brands actually play on the entertainment value and the value exchange could be that. Because you're giving me something useful. It could be, again, useful and personal, but useful as um, uh, an application that is going to help me live my life better, easier, or use the product uh, uh, in a more easier way. And something finally that I can share or enjoy with other people, in which case we are introducing the social currency as the value exchange. And I said already something that is going to help me and enhance using the product or the service. Now, huge help in this is actually uh, introducing the automated or the triggered messages as the key driver of value. What are the triggered messages? Very simply put, today we've got on a very low, very, very cheap level, we've got tools that can actually help us set up a stream of automated digital messages, but in the developed world that also goes to uh, um, uh, uh, mail, post, postal messages as well, letters that could be automated. But in this particular case, I'm thinking predominantly digital platforms, emails, SMSs, uh, chatbots, and various other, other digital tools that we've got. We can actually set them up in the database and in the system, so we don't have to do anything. We just have a set of rules and as soon as a particular set of rule, uh, a rule happens, the automated message is triggered and sent out automatically. So for example, somebody registers for our newsletter. What's going to happen that automatically something would go out to that uh, customer or client, sending them the first, the newest edition of that letter, plus a welcome message, and then slowly but surely we can get them into our world. Kind of uh, 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 short or a long, depending on the appetite, welcome program can be, can be triggered. Or for example, somebody's birthday, we have an automated birthday, happy birthday message. Or for example, there's a, uh, the, the customer has bought something for the first time that we deem is important. So for example, I'm an online shop and I'm selling various things. And for the first time, I noticed that a customer has started buying baby stuff. Never bought it before, but this is really, really important trigger because that opens up a completely new stream of personalized messages for, 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 the, for years to come. And basically that particular trigger will immediately trigger a new sequence of communications for that particular customer. So triggers also work incredibly well for uh, shopping basket abandonment, as you know. So somebody abandons the basket and then a, a stream of triggered messages actually is going to follow in order to try to convert that particular uh, uh, prospect or uh, ex-client into uh, uh, shopping and buying once again. So these are triggered messages. And my main point or my main uh, uh, contention that I've got outside of the Anglo-Saxon world, and they are true masters actually, they invented the whole thing, is that when you look, look at just the emails, for example, uh, I don't know how many how many people actually know, but email in uh, developed markets, email is the second most profitable marketing channel of all after search. And uh, according to many research uh, pieces, it's the second most profitable marketing channel in the world uh, overall. But I didn't see a lot of email being used, let's say, in some parts of the world, which is a shame because it's a, it's a phenomenally uh, flexible uh, and great for branding uh, marketing channel. So if you look, if you, if you take just emails, if we look at the traditional emails that we call batch and blast, once a month, 
Tuesday, 10 o'clock, we're going to be sending the company's newsletter to all of the customers, exactly the same. Compared to the triggered email that are going to be based on some sort of a contextual trigger that is going to trigger a particular email. Um, uh, trigger emails are actually making most of the money in the email world. They are 24, 26, sometimes 30 times more uh, productive than the batch and blast, meaning making more money. Uh, uh, batch and blast account for about 70, 80% of all the email traffic in the world, meaning business, uh, in the business sense, in the marketing sense, um, uh, whilst the trigger emails are actually making more than 70% of the revenue. So interest, it's an interesting game uh, when you think about it, that most of the money is made uh, on trigger, but it's much easier to do uh, batch and blast, or people think it's easier to do, because uh, it requires a little bit of technology to do it. Um, and if you look at the engagement metrics, again, opening rates much higher with triggered emails, click rates much higher uh, for triggered emails, conversion rates, look, this is three, almost four times higher for triggered emails than for batch and blast. Why? Because they are contextual. Uh, we are acting automatically on a specific context. So what would be the examples? Well, there's emails, there's other platforms. Here's the chatbots, Lidl in the UK. Uh, a smart chatbot that you just ask a question, do you have any Australian Chardonnay under five pounds? And immediately the chatbot is going to give you some suggestions. That's a trigger set of messages. Or the one on the right-hand side is even better. It's called the wine bot. You, you ask, uh, which wine goes with uh, chicken tikka masala, which is the uh, British national dish, basically. Uh, and they give you, officially, it's actually a British national dish. And uh, uh, the bot is going to give you uh, recommendations of wine that goes really well with chicken tikka masala. All of those actually pre-programmed in advance uh, and through a little bit of statistics also could be supported. And people get a, a, an automatic but very relevant personal contextual message. Various confirmations. People just uh, made a purchase or maybe people may, may have just registered for, uh, for an email uh, newsletter, for example. Now look at this one. This is uh, post-purchase. It's great. When I say creativity and, and emotionalization, this is what I mean. Uh, this is just the beginning of the story. Instead of just sending the black and white confirmation or the summary, the black and white bit is at the bottom of this bit on the right-hand side. First of all, they said as an emotional state, statement, love that shirt. It, immediately they're engaging with customers. And the shirt was, is actually the shirt that was bought in that particular session. So they're actually reflecting what you just bought. And then there's the confirmation number and everything else, all the important details. But the beauty of it is that apart from the logo at the top and the image of the shirt at the bottom, everything else is done as the live text in HTML, which means it's going to be seen on any in any browser, on any platform. And even in, if the images are blocked, the key information, such as all the confirmation number and the delivery date, are still going to be visible there, as well as the slogan, love that shirt. So you've got branding, even without images, you've got the branding in the email uh, already. Confirmations after registration. Now the left-hand side, when I was registering for one UX uh, newsletter about user experience design, they didn't send me the black and white thing. They sent me something that, you know, Silicon Valley people would expect with a woohoo in, in the title and things like that. You know, super excited, I'm super stoked to be on your list. And, similar expression that uh, those guys are actually using a lot and again everything apart from the uh, logo at the top and the image of the screens at the bottom is live text in html everything is going to be seen 
in any browser without anything being blocked. So really nice way to, to let me in. And on the uh, right-hand side, again, red stuff is coming. They know who they're talking to. They're using the language of their customers, of their audiences, and making them feel a little bit excited that they've just, you just came into my world and I want to welcome you. And I can welcome you in various ways. I can welcome you via one email, single email, that is going to show the repertoire of all, everything that I sell in one email. Or that could be a welcome email sequence, the waterfall, as we would call it. And then you've got one email is just the proper welcome and, and, and confirmation. The second one is, um, this is something that is be the best selling stuff. And the third one would be a, a, another option that you said you like. And suddenly we've got five or six triggered automatic emails that are contextually reflecting the data that you've given me in the registration uh, uh, form. On the right-hand side is when we were expecting a first daughter, my wife got a confirmation email when she joined NetMums, one of the local uh, new mums groups. And uh, everything that she needed to kind of start thinking about that particular journey she, she had inside, half of the content was about beauty. And we are talking about a heavily pregnant woman. Uh, there was something about babies and nutrition and blah, but actually half of it was uh, about beauty. And that was a perfectly targeted, they really knew their audiences inside out. These are the things that are some of the biggest problems at that particular period in life. Uh, also, triggered emails, upsell and cross-sell. Uh, uh, at the point of purchase or maybe immediately after that or during the, 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 the life cycle of the customer, we can actually fire out messages Ralph Lauren immediately fired out the message based on what the customer previously bought and said, complete the look. These are all the other things that go well with the thing that you just bought. Uh, Matalan, exactly the same thing, using personalization uh, through the name of the customer, Tracy, and then saying, thanks for buying uh, the school uniform and here's all the other things that your child may need for school. So as you can see, they, came, they immediately say, do not stop here. There's more things for you that actually you may like for this particular purpose, and we are here to help. And then immediately within the 24 hours, 40, 48 hours, very often we see the uplift and additional money coming in. All of these emails were made by machines without human intervention, apart from producing the initial images that are sitting in the database, the so-called assets in the asset database, and then the machine based on certain rules is just putting all of that together and firing it out. And now we've got access to those platforms uh, very, very cheaply indeed. We also have examples of uh, key moments that matter, such as birthdays, uh, uh, various uh, anniversaries. This is one year since we've been together. Five years that you've been part of our program. And we want to reflect that in, in, in different ways, simply by using data from, from the database. It could be also seasonal. We have triggered emails. I've used triggered emails for various clients. Um, the hottest day of the year, the coldest day of the year, the longest day of the year, the shortest day of the year, uh, the beginning of uh, spring, summer, autumn, winter. Uh, there's the Christmas, um, uh, Easter, uh, Valentine's. Uh, there's the very, lots of things during the year that you can actually set up automatic, automated messages and talk to your audiences. Uh, uh, the machine never stops. The money machine never stops as well. And finally, uh, abandoned baskets. Uh, somebody abandoned a basket. Uh, would we send them just a black and white, really dull, boring email saying, why don't you complete your purchase? Well, you know what, actually, we can do it better. This is where creativity uh, kicks in. You, we emotionalize the basket. We anthropomorphize the basket. 
we actually put a lot of pretty pictures that is going to say, of course, depending on the audience, could be this, it could be that. But there's certainly a lot of different ways that we can say, this is your basket talking to you, but it doesn't feel boring and automatic. And again, the moment that you start emotionalizing, you see the um, response rates going up, significantly going up in some particular cases. And that's why I think uh, automation and creativity are fantastic partners in squeezing additional value from the customer journey. And then finally, we've got renewal, unsubscribes, winbacks. The renewal, the urban outfitters actually have a really good way when you want to unsubscribe uh, to their email. They send you an email like this and say it's like a, like a chat on a through SMS say, are we really seriously breaking up? Please don't. And then they emotionalize all the time. And then even uh, they try to downgrade you instead of unsubscribe. You say, okay, if you think there's too, too many emails coming your way, okay, let's reduce the frequency. Maybe let's change the topics or something else. Just not letting you go out of their gravitational field. So in a sense, what used to be emotional uh, uh, and we are used to thinking about emotion only through advertising, not anymore. Emotional doesn't have to be expensive. There's a lot of creative ways that we can, we can emotionalize every single touch point in the customer journey. And also, many of those points are going to be useful for our customers, but useful doesn't have to be boring if you apply exactly the same thinking. And all of that could be done really, really cheaply. I'm literally talking about smaller companies now, not even bigger companies, smaller companies now, they can squeeze a lot of value through their customer journey just by two facts, by introducing triggered emails in carefully defined touch points and moments, and then by introducing creativity and emotionalization in those touch points. Watch the response rates, report back to me, I bet you lunch, you're going to see huge improvements in the money that you're getting in. That's it. If you want to find out more about these principles, I would advise you to go to this website, it's the granddaddy of uh, customer journey optimization, DMA, it's Direct Marketing Association, dma.org.uk forward slash awards. They've got a fantastic database of uh, incredibly uh, clever campaigns and programs and customer journey optimization programs. Uh, and you can see all sorts of wonders that uh, people do with the, these particular principles. Okay, that's all for me. Wow. Thank you, Lazar, for this. Uh, I bet that you will get quite a lot of, uh, let's say, invitations for lunch after this. <laughs> but the shame, is that I, the shame is that I don't consulting anymore, but I'm glad if this at least uh, lights up a few light bulbs in some people's heads. And also, maybe we can talk later on during the discussion where to start. Now you've got really cheap platforms that allow people like Referizer or even MailChimp that allow people, even small shops, to start doing programs like that for really, really small amounts of money. Okay, but here is the point that I pass word actually questions to uh, David. So, uh, David, please, it's yeah, your well, turn. Wow, Lazar, <laughs> I just have to admit this was, I was taken aback by your presentation. I really, really loved it. And I'm going to send a blast email to all my employees just with an attachment of this presentation because Thank this you. was i think i've never seen so compre comprehensive user journey with action points and what to do and when to do thank so, you thank you again um and my first question of course is uh, as you mentioned in your last census if i'm a small shop so i've set up the shop i've set up 
Google Ads, I set up Google Analytics, I set up uh, Facebook accounts, I registered to, to uh, comparison shopping. Is this the moment when the triggered messages uh, come into play? Well, they should, if you ask me, they should, because uh, everything you said uh, says to me that uh, you are financing uh, the top of the funnel, meaning you're financing people coming to your shop and hopefully convert. And basically, I, my analogy to that is like we are financing pouring water into the bucket. Uh, but if the bucket is leaky, we don't keep a lot of that. And then basically we need to keep pouring water, keep pouring water in order for business to come in. So for some businesses, just the very fact of the first purchase can open up all the other possibilities to sell other stuff that we have, uh, meaning that uh, uh, the customer becomes a prospect for everything else that we do. And the key thing is that at the point of purchase, they're going to give us some details, some personal details. So the key there is to have the uh, communication permission uh, uh, given uh, by the customer, which means that we have to devise really, really good value exchange uh, idea or the mechanic in order to get the permission to talk to them later on. And if we get the permission, the data is already in the system. We just need to start using it. Even before they convert, we can devise value exchange data capture programs in order to capture the data even before they became customers. Uh, so that we treat, in, uh, treat them as leads then and we try to convert them. So when they're in the database, that's the moment for me that I can start automating and that I can start emotionalizing. They purchased. I need to send them a purchase confirmation. That purchase confirmation could be automated. It's an automated message that the system fires out. There's a template that I've developed, put into the system, and that template could be really creatively done. Great language, nice images, nice colors. There's so many things we can do with it immediately. And basically, that confirmation email immediately says, thank, uh, thank you for coming into my world. Isn't that an exciting world? Look all the other things that we can, we can help you with or that we can actually, uh, you can buy from us. And then carefully, slowly but surely, that needs to be developed in advance. Which particular touch points and which particular points in the customer journey, journey do we want to address and how to construct those messages? Once that initial job is done, and it's literally no more than a month, once that initial job is done, basically then the system just fires out and you don't have to do anything. Okay, uh, so we know about the first point, the first email that we have is the action point when to start the triggered messages. Uh, how about is it ever too late or have I missed that opportunity uh, about setting up the triggered emails? Well, uh, the interesting thing is they're happening anyway because most of the e-commerce system, if people buy something uh, online from you, they're going to fire out an, uh, an automated confirmation anyway. But uh, what people usually don't know, uh, depending on the system, of course, is that you can uh, customize that particular template. So your confirmation message could be customized. You can actually create an HTML template. It doesn't have to be just words. And that, hey, the moment that you're in HTML, you can play with colors. You can play with live text. Everything is going to be visible on any browser. There's no, nothing is going to be blocked. Just the images are going to be blocked, but nothing else. So you can really play with colors. You can really play with words. And then you can play with data because you already have the data from the, from the purchase. So it just requires that somebody sits and really carefully thinks about it and says, what's the best thing that, the really, that is going to really inspire them and make them go, wow, that we can do without any money just by using the, the tools that we've got now. I think it's more knowledge and the skill and knowing this philosophy than resources. Uh -huh. So you, have, you, you are somehow saying that you have two approaches. One is the creativity that we can show 
and the other point of view is data-driven. So oh, sorry, sorry. I'm actually thinking that uh, the two always have to work together. They're not. It's not either or. Because even if the data, I can like these guys. The data was uh, the confirmation for the T-shirt. The data, everything that was uh, databased in uh, in the email was the picture of the shirt that the person actually bought. That's based on data. That's the actual purchase image. Uh, the order confirmation, a date, uh, number, and the date of delivery, and then maybe the address, uh, personal address of the person. Oh, that all comes from, from the database. And then uh, if maybe uh, some purchases, let's say somebody's buying uh, dog food, we may, if we are clever how we do it as part of the value exchange during the, uh, the purchase, we may even find, find out the name of the, of the pet, of the dog, and may even the breed of the dog. But that immediately allows us to personalize through the name of the dog, to the picture of that kind of a dog. There's so many things that we can immediately start doing from the data that we've got. And then wrap that up in a really nicely, creatively, uh, uh, creative message. Yeah. Well, th those two things should always work together. Work together. But now when you're telling me all this and I'm a small e uh, web shop, now do I have enough people who can do uh, all those things or are there any tools who can do some of the work for me? Yes, it's a very good question and uh, the usual problem that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs actually have. But uh, again, I, I've seen, and my friends are running online shops, one, one person operation, who are using tools that actually allow them to do exactly that. So uh, one of my friends is a photographer, and professional photographer in London, and he's got his own web online shop, basically on his website. So what he had done, he took a kind of a really simple platform, uh, uh, for the catalog, for the display of the, of, of the pictures, then use MailChimp. He's paying £10 a month, but he's getting a lot of personalization capabilities. He can play with templates, with automation. So he's one guy. Yes, he worked in the direct marketing industry for years, but he's done everything himself. You also have tools such as Referizer, Referizer.com. It's an American platform specifically designed to develop loyalty and CRM for small shops. So you may be a, a hair salon, for example, there's only a few of you there. It's designed specifically for those kind of customers. So if you check them out, they actually are really good, allow you a lot of things to do, but it's all quite simple to do and automated. You do not, it doesn't require like weeks of learning. You can, you can, you can get on, you can start doing things within days. So uh, do we have any kind of artificial intelligence in this company that you mentioned? Uh, okay, uh, it's moving towards that. Now on that particular level, tools are improving literally every single day. Uh, on that particular level, uh, you will see some kind of clever uh, statistics creeping in. But for the moment, machine learning and artificial intelligence, I would say is more likely the domain of the bigger guys. Yeah. the bigger enterprise package, uh, package actually, who, um, who have that inside the sales forces and the Microsoft Dynamics and uh, uh, similar Adobe marketing clouds and the similar kind of tools. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, it's a vast space. There's thousands of those guys kind of uh, in the market. I'm pretty sure that within a year or two, we're going to be seeing new kinds of platforms again, aimed at individuals and very, very, very small micro-businesses with some uh, AI capabilities in it uh, uh, already. Uh, it's no doubt this is probably already happening, but certainly just around the corner. Okay, so in your years of experience, of professional experiences, you've probably seen many 
cases, many brands trying to, to do uh, good triggered messages or triggered campaigns. Uh, which one would you point out, out as being really good, really creative? Uh, which, which one struck you as when you saw it? That's a very good question, actually. And I have to say, it's kind of raking my, my memory. There's so many kind of things that it's difficult to pull some. But okay, there's three I would like to share, actually. One is Apple. When I registered for their, bought some, some of their stuff in London, they registered for, for their email program. And uh, they were sending me things relevant to what I bought and it was all contextual, it was kind of okay, uh, all automated and personalized with my name and uh, a few other things. But uh, one email particularly struck me about three months into, into the program. They've done something that is a complete no-no for almost all of the companies in the world. And that principle in direct marketing is called do not poke the sleeping bear. Meaning if the customer doesn't do something, do not uh, something bad like canceling, uh, unsubscribing, do not tempt them to do that. And actually Apple did exactly that. Three months into the relationship, they sent me an email saying, are you happy with emails that you are receiving? If you're not happy, here's the button to unsubscribe. I mean, that requires such a bravery, such a confidence in the brand to know we are doing the right thing. It's unlikely that a lot of people are going to be unsubscribed. And even if they do, basically that shows, I mean, that, that email is going around like a viral email, shows such a confidence in the brand that the brand knows what they're doing. So that's one. The second one is Nando's. That was my client. Now I was working uh, on their CRM program for, for some time. Basically, one of the ideas that we've developed was uh, surprise and delight a bit of the journey, where you occasionally surprise and delight your customers. And basically, uh, one of the ideas was uh, random days. On a completely random day during the year, we do random things. For example, today, everybody called Steve is going to get a voucher for a free lunch. But you have, to go, you have to go and use the voucher this particular day. Yes, of course, then the client was tweaking that depending on the cash flow. So maybe this particular idea is helping the cash flow on a particular day and so on and so forth. But again, it's a brilliant idea when you surprise and delight people. Uh, and the third one is Kleenex. Kleenex using big data in order to make it personal. Uh, Kleenex is the company that makes uh, tissues, uh, paper, paper towels, paper tissues. Uh, one of the largest in the world. And then every year during the summer season, during the pollen season, Kleenex is actually pulling all the data about the pollen concentration in different parts of the country, in the UK, for example, uh, live from the Met office, and then putting that data into their media planning strategy for that particular day, but also emails. And now these are actually SMS messages. Uh, they are sending to individual customers based on their geographic location and saying, for today, the pollen count uh, forecast is this and that. If it's really, really high, be sure that you've got enough uh, tissues with you. <laughs> and it's absolutely brilliant. It works like a dream. Okay. Now, as you've said, we have the data-driven approach and the creative approach here. Uh, maybe just one last question uh, before we finish. And uh, you've said all the do's, what we need to do, what we need to take care of, where are the touch points, uh, what the user journey looks like. Now, maybe there's uh, one thing that we haven't touched yet, and that's the, maybe the don'ts. Don't, what are we, try, what are we supposed to try to avoid? Spamming people is the first thing. Do not send them irrelevant things. Send, send people things that are contextually relevant to them. That's the first thing, uh, as, as much as you can. 
if you can't if you can't personalize just do a nice creative do nice language be creative be smart be funny uh, be interesting the most difficult thing in the world be interesting even that helps um, and for me the biggest sin even for smaller smaller companies uh, even shops is do uh, do not think that this is not for you because today technology is so cheap and so simple to use a anybody can use it. i mean individuals are using that so do not think that the thing stops at the first sale because that person that just bought something for you has become a prospect for all the other future sales all the other products that you can sell them connected to that previous sale but for that in order to talk to them you need to capture their data and then you need to have a system to actually uh, that you can talk to them uh, uh, through your own channels uh, without any huge cost. Um, and that for me is the philosophical challenge that many small businesses have, that they kind of think that this is not for them. And this is literally 21st century. Uh, the systems do exist that are right for them. They are available and achievable and affordable to them. Well. Thank you very much, Lazar. This was a very, very interesting talk and a very interesting listening, in, in, in fact. Thank you. So it was nice having you. Okay. Thank you both. And uh, it was really, really a huge energizer with this uh, presentation. So uh, if you have any other uh, suggestions for us, you as an audience, you are more than welcome to write us your suggestions. We are completely open to you and see you and listen to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.